These are Nebraska corn farmers. They work in acres, not hours, harvesting the energy and climate solutions the world needs. We are proud to stand with you. The success of tomorrow's soy industry depends on the actions we take today. The future is here, and the time to move is now. Market Journal, television for agricultural business decisions, is a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Thanks so much for joining us today on Market Journal. I'm Bryce Duskett. Probably won't take you long to notice what we're broadcasting from today. We're high above the grounds of Husker Harvest Days as the big show took place earlier this week near Grand Island. Now coming up on today's broadcast, we'll have lots of content from the show, including updates with the Nebraska Corn and Soybean Board. We'll also check in on the latest in weather as well as the markets. That's a look at what's coming up, but first, there's about 125 different Nebraska Extension personnel here on site for Husker Harvest Days. We visit now with the Dean and Director of Nebraska Extension. That is Dr. Charlie Stolton, though. Your presence from Nebraska Extension's perspective out here, this has to be, I don't, I don't know what to compare it to, but a great opportunity to visit with the stakeholders. Well, it's a huge opportunity, not only for our stakeholders, but new new stakeholders. How do, how do we meet people? I just had an experience of another organization walked up to me today and said, hey, we want to partner with you because we have these resources, but you have the infrastructure. You have the connections. That's what they're looking for. You have the connections. We want to help people. We have the resources. And that's great. That's what it's all about for uh, uh, Nebraska Extension and, and the things that we do and we're so happy to be part of this. That's the opportunity moving forward I have to imagine is expanding the partnerships be you know continue to extend the reach but Nebraska Extension it is an institution that has been around for, for quite some time. A lot of people affiliate 4-H with Extension but it gets it goes much deeper than that so I'm curious the kinds of conversations you're having and the different things you have set up in what's known as the big red building out here What's the angle that the, that extension's taking? Well, again, thanks. Uh, that big red building reminds me of our latest initiative, okay. the big three, right? Okay. Agriculture and food, inspiring Nebraskans and their communities, and health and well-being. And, and as I said previously, uh, this organization wanted to come in on the health and well-being side, right? Because we have a lot of families out there that things happen, right? Unfortunate things. And how can we help people get through these so that we can continue those farms, those operations or whatever that leads to prosperity in our inner, you know, our rural communities? The whole thing is it all works together. So the more that we can leverage our abilities, what we have with others, man, it's a win-win situation. I don't feel like uh, you're a new person because I see you all the time uh, around campus and elsewhere, Dr. Charlie, but 19 months you've been on the job uh, as the dean and director. What have you learned about the state, the people, and the people who work for Extension in that time? Oh, man. That's a big question the, for you. Man, the things that I've learned. Well, one of the things, if you, as you, um, as you 
look at Nebraska we to the person who's uninformed, then they learn there's great water wealth, right lies below the surface. There are other aspects, there's great power, there's great passion that just lies below the surface as, as you scan across Nebraska. And so, as the Dean and Director of Extensions, how can we tap into those resources? There are really great things going on that as we look to the future, um, it's, I actually brought my sunglasses because you know the future is so bright, we're gonna have to wear sunglasses out there. I, I like the analogy. Where are we going from here with Nebraska Extension? Some tangible things that, that uh, Nebraska, our viewers, the Nebraska producers can expect to see from you all moving forward. Well, as we move forward, I think we're gonna expand our on-farm research. That's probably one of the most uh, popular, but also vital uh, programs that we have. How do we answer those questions? You know, another area is if we look at our future, our future is our youth, our future is our, what's our workforce look like? Well, one of the areas that we're good in and we're gonna continue is what we look at is early childhood development. We need to really help uh, people. It's different than when I grew up. Dynamics are different. Our families are stretched in different directions. We're looking at dual income families just to survive. So how does that fit then? How do we develop? What are the resources that the next generation of Nebraskans coming up, they're ready. They're ready, they're, they're, we set them up for success. Um, you know, we're looking at how do we meet the needs of our, you know, uh, our rural communities and also in our urban communities. Uh, and where do we deploy our resources because we're looking for a skilled workforce and we want to keep people in Nebraska and we're part of the solution. You say it's, you, you narrowed down to the big three, but there's a lot of different areas within there. I mentioned 125 uh, plus folks out here just affiliated with Nebraska Extension. So lots of areas of focus. Sounds like Extension's in good hands. Dr. Charlie, thank you for the time today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Well, up next, it's our In the Field update. We're still here on the grounds of Husker Harvest Days, now visiting with Ethan Zorb. He's a Litchfield, Nebraska producer and want to get an update on your, your corn and soybean crops that have been growing this year. Of course, just kind of you throw a dart and it seems like a different condition, a growing season for about everybody in the state of Nebraska. How about for yourself and, and your dad? Yeah, um, we were one of the fortunate ones this year. Uh, about midway through planting, we caught some rain and then it kind of rained the rest of the way through May but uh, about Father's Day weekend, it really shut off. Um, so we were, it's a good thing we're mostly irrigated and we were able to keep stuff alive. Uh, the early rains helped our dry land at least get to a grain fill period. Um, but, you know, it, it, it did wash some early on some of the hills we had too. Uh, even with conservation tillage, uh, it just, it washed places out. So there's some bottoms that are a little silted in and some hills that are a little thin, but overall, I think it'll be, end up being a decent year. Seems like those with irrigation this year, were working overtime yeah. trying to keep those running. I have to imagine the same is true for you guys. Yeah, there was, there were several weeks there, especially the last, you know, three or last month or so where we had the week long stretches at hundred degrees. You run them as much as you can. You're working around load control on your electric wells and you know, some of the diesel and natural gas power units don't like running very much when it's that hot. Just, you can't keep them cool. When you look at this corn behind us, it's uh, as, they, as they do so here at Husker Harvest Day, it's about ready to pick. Yep. The same for you guys getting ready for harvest? Yeah, uh, we'll be getting into some stuff. If we aren't running just a few sample fields this weekend, we'll be going early next week, uh, getting dry land corners and fields out, both corn and soybeans. 
Any thoughts on where you might land yield-wise at this point, kind of on par with what you usually do, or might be a little off based on those uh, yeah. that, that heat? Overall average is going to probably fall pretty close to where we've been running. Uh, you know, if we wouldn't have caught some of those washing rains early, uh, conditions were decent enough this year. I think we could have almost ran with a 21-type yield. Mm -hmm. I think we'll at least run with what we did last year. Uh, but that, that heat there at the end, I mean, it, it took some dry land that had probably a 175 potential and it might have shaved up to 100 bushel off of it with those two hot weeks. Um, on the corn side, on the bean side, it took what could have been 50 bushel dry land and shaved it down to half as well. I'm sure it'll be a busy season for you when you guys get started. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, Monday, Tuesday of next week, as you said. But we'll end on a positive note. What do you enjoy about the harvest season, about you know getting things going? Yeah, I'll kind of steal one from my dad there. Um, you know, it's one of the joys of being a farmer. You get to take an entire year's work, and then the combine is the judge of how well you did. And hopefully, you know, hopefully, you did really good throughout the year. And you know the variables you could control you did the best you could with and grew the best crop that you could so that is ethan zorb he's a producer out near litchfield nebraska joining us this week on our in the field update well let's shift our attention out here at husker harvest day now over to the markets joining us this week is dr matt roberts he's the senior senior grain analyst with terrain we've got a report to talk about that was the talk of husker harvest days and what do you know a lot of the producers I visited weren't particularly happy with USDA. What numbers did you take away from the WASD that you want to make sure we, we walk away with uh, on this, this conversation? So I think there's two really important takeaways from the WASD that came out this week. The first is demand, both corn and soybeans, is tepid at best. There's not really much to be excited. We did see some good sales finally last week for new crops, some good weekly export. Those weren't in the WASD. But overall, the big picture is really weak international demand. And we're not lining up to see that really strengthen with the low levels of the Mississippi River, where you know it's going to be harder and harder to ship out the Gulf. Um, strong dollar, higher interest rates, all the things are kind of against us. And we see that there. The other thing that I think is really important to see, and I know a lot of producers when we're out here at Husker Harvest Days, they have a hard time believing that we are going to see a 170, yeah. uh, 173.8 is USDA's um, forecast there. They have a hard time believing that there's any way that's the case. And the reality is, as hard as it may be for some farmers to believe, and I was on the phone earlier today with a farmer, he's convinced it's going to do 160 this year. Honest to goodness, um, as hard as it is to believe that, the reality is this was the USDA's objective yield. They're going out, they're sampling hundreds of farms around the country and probably the best designed objective survey. And this is what they find. Now, as I like to say, do I think the USDA is always right? No, but honestly, they're wrong less than anybody else. They're consistently wrong less than anybody else. So the things that I really want growers to take away, demand is weak, yields are, we're not going to 160. There's a lot of corn out here. Not everybody, there's a lot of corn out here. There's a lot of beans out here. And if you're banking on going to $7 next year, which I've certainly heard people, or even six, you need something that we that is not on the horizon right now. It's a good point. 
Sometimes we struggle with backyarditis, I think is what you call that symptom of what's happening here. That's what we want to focus on. But I want to kind of pivot this conversation to outside the U.S. borders and talk about South America. You know, a lot of attention has to be paid down there and for good reason. And one of the, the things that you can speak to and I'd like you to is their expansion. We continue to see rapid expansion of, of acreage down there, but we might, I guess the emphasis on the might see a slowdown of that. Why might that be? Well, there's a lot of factors that go into the, particularly in Brazil, that rapid expansion in Mato Grosso uh, that we've seen over the past 15 to 20 years. And, and most of that ground is uh, what they call the Sahados. Think of it as like savanna land. It's that stuff we saw in Mutual of Omaha growing up, though that was in Africa, this is in, in Brazil, converting that into row crops. Um, the big issues to understand in Mato Grosso very high rainfall, 70, 80 inches, very, very sandy soil, okay? So huge rain, very sandy soil. So it's really almost like the world's largest hydroponic farm. <laughs> Any nutrients that you want your crop to have, you've got a supply there. So intense logistical demands, both going in and out of that region in a country that's that really has third world infrastructure. So as we look at uh, this expansion we've had in Brazil, um, yes, the last couple years we've seen acres expand. But think about the prices we've had in the yep. United States. We've had $6 corn, we've had $15 beans, and that justifies a lot more investments in uh, converting acres, in, in building roads, and paving roads, all of these improving ports. Now as we back off, okay, as, as prices back off, it's much, much harder in Brazil to keep those levels of expansion going. And what we're seeing is a lot more tightness, particularly on the corn side. With those inputs, they've got to bring in, not just carry out. So I think there is, at these kinds of price levels we're seeing, yes, we know right now we're getting export competition, but as we start to look to next year, I think there is some hope that this will slow down. This acreage expansion is going to pause a little bit and allow global markets to catch its breath. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah. Back here in the U.S., last time you and I visited, it was down in Kansas City. I think that was last November. And we were talking about this push to electric cars and how that might influence ethanol. You said don't, it's obviously something to pay close attention to, but it's not something that is going to shut down ethanol plants tomorrow. Has your outlook on that changed at all in the months as we continue to see this push toward electric? It really hasn't. I think that it's a great story that electrification is gonna is gonna run gasoline out. It's gonna run um, everything else out. But the reality is, as as all of you know, all of your viewers know, first of all, cars are incredibly more expensive now. Average new car in America is forty-seven thousand dollars, and so as a result, we're keeping older cars longer. Um, we're holding on to them; they're less electrified. There's certainly indication that, that uh, it is harder to keep electric cars on the road for 10 years, 15 years, 20. I have a 30-year-old car sitting in my driveway <laughs> right now that I love. That's not going to be a thing with electric vehicles. But even in these mandates, California and the states that align with it, those aren't really going to have an impact on ethanol and for another 10 years. Uh, we'll start to maybe feel it in five to seven. 10 years, we start to measure it. 20 years before it really matters, man. And so I, I'm not really bearish on the outlook for ethanol over the next five, 10, 20 years. And honestly, 20 years out, 
the world's going to change so much. I'm not sure it's worth talking about. Who knows what it's going to look like at that point. Matt, we really appreciate the update. It's good to catch up with you again. Thank you so much, Bryce. It's nice to see you. Fun to have the thoughts from the folks there at Terrain. Now, coming up next week, we'll be back in the studio with one of our regular market analysts. As always here on Market Journal, we invite your thoughts and your questions for those that we have on the program. So be sure to email us or get in touch on social media. Up next, soybean cess nematode. You heard us talk about it here on Market Journal. It can be called the silent yield killer. That's because often there's no visible symptoms of SCN of the field except for a noticeable yield drag. But there are several strategies that farmers can employ to deal with a blow against this soybean enemy. That includes testing for SCN out in the field, planting resistant varieties, and rotating sources of resistance in the seed. You can learn all the details about beating SCN in the September issue of the Nebraska Farmer. Up next, we catch up with Nebraska Extension Ag Climatologist and Market Journal's Chief Meteorologist Eric Cunt. We did so out here at Husker Harvest Days. Well, Eric, let's dive into the world of weather and talk about uh, all that's happening here. We'll do a long-range forecast in a second, but first, couldn't ask for better weather for a farm show. Oh, no, this is perfect. This is probably the nicest weather I've ever seen for Husker Harvest Days. <laughs> Got a light breeze at about mid-70s. That's uh, pretty yeah, good, Yeah, usually it? it's either 55 or 95 out here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember last year, it felt like a furnace with the wind blowing as hot as it got. Let's talk about, uh, as we look to the next week, in terms of weather on the temperature front, of course, a lot of combines are starting to roll across the field. What can we expect temperature-wise? Temperature-wise, I think we should be looking at fairly seasonal conditions for the next week to 10 days. Um, maybe a bit cooler as we head toward the end of next week and into the early part of the week after that. Um, there is a good, there is a potential for wise precipitation uh, later this next week. Uh, a little bit uncertain in terms of models, but uh, things are shaping up where we are starting to maybe head into a little bit of a stormier pattern as we get toward the end of the month here. On the weather front, you never like me to try to pinpoint you down and to make you commit to something, but when you say widespread, we're talking across the state of Nebraska. Any idea on precipitation amounts that uh, we might be able to see with that system? Um, at this point, amounts are probably a little harder to say, yeah. but some of the model projections that I've seen so far for about that seven to 10 day would actually say that most of the eastern two thirds of the state could get an inch, inch and a half of rain. But look at the past few weeks, man, we had some hot days in there. You and I talked about that in some of the previous broadcasts, but is it safe to say the hot weather is behind us at this point in the fall? Well, that might depend on what you define as hot. If by <laughs> hot you mean like mid-90s to yeah. 100, yeah, I'm pretty sure I think we're done with that for the year. Okay. Um, you know, we can't rule out some more days, the upper 80s, low 90s, pretty anywhere in the state, but I feel pretty confident we're done with the significant amount of heat. Uh, we probably are going to see temperatures stay fairly seasonal to... Um, Maybe slightly below seasonal at times as we head toward the end of the month and into October. We do begin as harvest uh, is underway. We begin to get some concerns about frost. Any thoughts on that? If uh, we perhaps could see an early frost this year, is that one of those tough things to predict? Uh, yeah, the frost is harder to predict just because, I mean, sometimes frost can vary a lot by yeah. elevation and okay. just low-lying areas. Um, I would feel pretty confident saying that I don't see any frost on the horizon in the next week. Yeah. But, of course, especially as you get to the western part of the state, Late September, there's always that chance of frost after you get a good cold front. And it does look like we are going to start getting some stronger troughing into the um, uh, central U.S. as we hit toward the end of the month. Uh, out ahead of that, we'll probably see some storms. And behind that, I think we will have to start watching out for some uh, scattered frost, particularly uh, in north, central, and western Nebraska, and in particular at higher elevations. Okay. Well, as we look past, back on this past growing season, we came into it, it seems like almost across the entire state of Nebraska, we're in drought conditions, particularly in the west and more central areas. We made a dent in that, but large drought remains in portions of eastern to central Nebraska. 
I guess as you look toward the fall, any re relief ahead on that front, or is that something we might have to wait till next spring to, to be thinking about? Well, the CPC's official forecast right now is basically persistence of drought. And I mean, their, la their last uh, outlook, which was released earlier this month, basically showed that there was going to be some a redevelopment of drought in parts of the Western Corn Belt and the Central Great Plains where you don't currently have it. Uh, my thought is I think we will start seeing a little bit more relief in parts of the state as we head into uh, October. Uh, but again, there, drought, in, particularly in parts of South Central, Central and Northeastern Nebraska, is still really, really bad. So we got a long way to go before we really clear a drought in those areas. Seems like the Farmer's Almanac, they always want to predict what kind of winter we're going to have. Any key indicators, I guess, as we look uh, out to the winter of what a hard winter, soft winter, that greatly de depends on where you live in the state of Nebraska, well, doesn't it? If, if it is, if we are definitely in El Nino, and I think we're going to start seeing more impacts from to our weather from El Nino as we head into October, November. Traditionally, El Nino winters here are generally a little bit milder. They can be wetter, particularly in the southern part of Nebraska and eastern part of Nebraska, uh, which this year that would be great if we could get some decent moisture. Now, of course, if that falls after the soils are frozen, then that's not always worthwhile. Uh, but I would, my forecast right now is for it to be generally about seasonal to mild and wetter than we've been probably in the last two or three winters with more snowfall and probably more overcast days than we've probably had in a few years. All right, we'll keep a close eye on all of it. Plus, we'll have you on the weekly show to discuss what you're seeing week to week. That Absolutely. is Nebraska Extension's Eric Hunt. Moving along now, this is pretty cool. You might see it behind us. We are sitting in front of the Women in Ag exhibit. This is the first time that this that the Women of Ag have had, have had a presence like this out here at Husker Harvest Day. So joining us to discuss that is Nebraska Extension Educator Jessica Grossoff. Gr Jessica, great to have you here on Market Journal. Thanks for having me. I want to talk about this booth and uh, the importance of having this dedicated space to those involved in the ag industry that happen to be female. Talk about that. So we're super excited that Women in Agriculture has a place here at Husker Harvest Days. And this is our opportunity to celebrate the role that women have always played in agriculture. I like the way you put that. It's nothing new for women to be involved in agriculture. It seems like the statistics continue to grow, though, of those involved, uh, heavily involved in the ag industry that are female. Can you share some of the statistics behind that? Yeah, about a third of farms and ranches in the state of Nebraska are operated by female producers. So it's that you know option where we're seeing that grow we're also seeing more heirs um, happen to be female landowners. So that's something that's exciting as well. Your booth here at Husker Harvest Days, what was your goal? Yeah, our goal is just to share the word about what Nebraska Extension is doing for this important audience. So we're sharing all of our upcoming events and activities and doing some fun giveaways while we're here. It's always, always a good thing. You get people in with those. Yeah. I want to talk about an upcoming event you have that's taking place next week in Broken Bow. It's a conference of sorts. What can you share with us? Yeah, so next week we'll be at the Herd That Conference. And that conference is focused specifically on livestock producers. So it's a two-day event where we will start with a tour of Adams Land and cattle, some hands-on workshops, dinner at Kincader Brewing. We'll follow up with the next day, we'll be at the One Box Convention Center where we have some workshops and a keynote speaker, Callie Thorne. And to round out the event, we have legendary horseman, Kurt Pate. What do you want to attend this event, Jessica? You know, anybody who's interested in agriculture and the livestock industry in particular is welcome to attend. But of course, we're focused on women. Uh, and we're also offering some 
vet med CEUs while we're there. So if you need some vet med credits, come out and join us. What are the specific tangible learning things that you hope people will be able to, be able to walk away from that event with? Yeah, so this event is really fun because we get to do a lot more hands-on style things. So for example, we're going to be doing body condition scoring of horses. And again, we have that horsemanship demonstration. So there's a lot of different opportunities for producers to come out and learn. As you program these kinds of events from Nebraska Extension's perspective, do you have a calendar? I mean, I know you do a lot of events throughout the year. This is just one of the many. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, so we really focus on our fall and winter time period, and that's where we focus on. But we also go to our uh, clients and ask them what they want to see. So we're constantly trying to find those items for them to participate in. Jessica, great to visit with you. I want to give you the final word. Uh, what's on your mind as we interact with folks out here at Husker Harvest Days? Yeah, as we come into fall, I think it's important that we have a safe and bountiful harvest and you know, focus on our mental health and well-being here. This is Jessica Groskopf, Nebraska Extension Educator. We continue our coverage out here of Husker Harvest Days as we visit now with a representative from the Nebraska Soybean Board. That is Ann Mise, director for the Nebraska Soybean Board member, uh, board member as well as a farmer from the Elgin, Nebraska area. And great to have you out here at Husker Harvest Days. I'm curious your, your favorite part of walking around this show. Well, for me, it's the people I see and the enthusiasm for our industry of ag. I mean, this is amazing that right here in central Nebraska, we can have this amazing show. I agree. Well, this is our Crop Talk segment where we like to discuss all the things happening uh, in the world of crops and particularly I want to have this conversation with you about the work of the Nebraska Soybean Board to develop these markets and get an update of some of the work that's happening. So well, I guess I'll turn you the floor. It seems like the demand uh, for soybean oil continues to rise. Absolutely. Um, with the renewable fuels uh, demand out there, that um, the demand for the soybean oil has just skyrocketed. And it's important to know that Nebraska Soybean Board was a leader and really instrumental over the years of kind of having that um, forethought and, and foresight to say, you know, uh, biodiesel back then was going to be a very important driver in our industry. And now with renewable fuels that can be used, uh, renewable diesel can be used in any engine 100%. We used to have to blend the biodiesel. The demand is there. Yeah, seems like there's a lot of success stories we see on some of the quarterly reports. I can't remember the stat exactly, but we saw a big increase year over year on that front. And to that point, there's some new facilities coming online to meet the demand in Nebraska, right? Absolutely, it's pretty exciting. It's a game changer. We have two new crush facilities coming into Nebraska, one in Norfolk, Nebraska, Norfolk Crush, and AGP is putting one in David City. This really is a game changer for Nebraska farmers, soybean farmers, um, to have two large facilities like this right in our state and uh, just increasing that demand. That's on the oil front. How about the meal side of it? So with this demand for oil, we're crushing for oil. What a change in yeah. the industry. You know, <laughs> we used to crush for the livestock feed and now we're crushing for both. And so with this demand, we know where the oil's going. We know it needs to go to the East Coast or the West Coast where they are targeting carbon reduction. Now the Nebraska Soybean Board is really pivoting their strategic plan and knowing that we need to continue to work for markets for this meal that is going to be um, there and available. Of course, we're going to try to work in state, you know, increase livestock production, but there's only so much you can do because we grow more. So we're definitely partnering with the U.S. Soy Export Council and uh, doing everything we can to work on um, in markets for that meal. 
Fun to catch up there with Ann Meese. Again, she's a board member with the Nebraska Soybean Board. That is about all the time we have for this week's broadcast. Before we go, I want to remind you, you can watch our entire show as well as the segments posted online individually on the Market Journal YouTube channel. From Husker Harvest Days, I'm Bryce Duskin, wishing you a safe and productive week. Join Market Journal online at marketjournal.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Market Journal is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources.